Radio Mano Papachango. Precious, precious audience, how are you out there in your world, your diverse worlds? Uh, things are good here. I'm working on the book, trying to really focus on this thing. I know you're tired of hearing me talk about it. I'm tired of hearing myself talk about it. I'm tired of thinking about it. I'm tired of it being this presence, this presence in my life. I want to write it, get it done, get it out there to the world, and then move on to other things particularly move on to this podcast. The podcast is um, is bringing good stuff to my life, and I haven't even got the van out on the road yet, but uh, there are people calling me, wanting me to do radio shows, wanting me to join different podcast networks. There's all sorts of interest. Ears are perking up in Los Angeles, and um, I don't know. So far, I'm kind of resistant uh, I don't want to get into a situation where I can't just do what I want to do. That's the whole point of this thing, after all. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. There's some interesting uh, projects, maybe working with other people. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, it's good. So I hope uh, I hope it's bringing good things to your life, too. I get some really nice emails from people saying that it's helpful hearing these conversations. This one's a great one. It's uh, Eddie Ift, uh, stand-up comic, podcaster himself. Uh, in fact, he's got a school bus that he's decked out as a studio, which he's going to be taking out on the road this summer. So maybe we'll uh, run into each other, hopefully not literally, but we will uh, find ourselves in the same part of the country at the same time, and we'll get together and do another one of these Really enjoyed hanging out with him. He's a neighbor of my cousin, Dave's. And Dave's mentioned him a few times. And, uh, you know, I've always said, yeah, I'd love to meet the guy, whatever. And so Dave finally put us in touch. And uh, I cruised over there. And we uh, recorded this podcast. And, uh, yeah, really nice guy. Really enjoyed his company. And uh, as you'll hear, our conversation sort of uh, is unrestrained and crazed. Uh, I, you know, against my own better judgment, I uh, revisit some of the things I've said in er previous podcasts that have gotten me in trouble. Um, So I guess I'll get in trouble again, but what the hell. Uh, The main thing, I mean, the only disclaimer is I talk about how I feel that, uh, and I'm, I'm partly joking, but partly not. I feel that if you are good at driving under the influence of various substances, you should be able to go to the DMV and demonstrate that and uh, get a stamp on your driver's license that says, you know, this person can have a higher alcohol level than other people or is a, you know, verified uh, safe driver while stoned or whatever the case is. Now, of course, partly I'm joking and maybe, uh, for some of you, that will seem inappropriate because I understand that uh, drunk drivers kill people. I get it. Uh, and that's not funny. Uh, 
On the other hand, I do feel like in this age of digitized, uh, personalized medicine and, you know, you can put your foot on a thing and have a 3D printer print out a perfect shoe for your particular foot with all this individualized everything, all this technology, we should be able to have different gradations of law uh, applied to different people. The way we do with insurance, right? If you're someone who just, you know, habitually speeds or tends to get into a lot of accidents, your insurance rates go up. Well, if you're someone who doesn't get into accidents or someone who doesn't speed and doesn't get tickets and just sort of knows how to stay in your own lane, uh, it seems to me that there should be benefits to that aside from just lower insurance rates. You should have... um, you know, some uh, some consideration when it comes to, uh, you know, if you get caught in a checkpoint, like, hey, come on, you know, I've got a track record here. Anyway, I don't know. If, if you're offended by that, I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. Anyway, this is uh, Eddie Ifs and me chatting. I'm not going to go on too much more because I'll probably, I'll, I, I try to save that stuff for the Roma episodes now my, you know, musings. (laughs) So I'll keep my musings to myself uh, or the musings that came out with Eddie. So um, yeah, hope you enjoy this. Uh, At the end of the podcast, uh, Eddie lays out his webpage, his Twitter handle and all that, but uh, you can always just Google him. All right, I'm going to play you out with a cover of one of the great Beatles tunes, Blackbird. Uh, It's done by uh, G-Love and Special Sauce. This song, Blackbird, listen to the words, uh, and if you don't know the story, the Mansons thought that the Beatles were sending them special secret messages encoded in their songs, and um, they were just waiting for word to come from the Beatles that it was time for them to uh, do something spectacular that would galvanize the black revolution. Uh, I think I may have spoken about this on the podcast before, but kind of funny that some white people thought that the black community of the United States was waiting for some white people to lead them in revolution against the other white people. Uh, Anyway, when this song came out, Blackbird, Charles Manson took it as confirmation that uh, the Beatles were saying, time to uh, start the uprising. Now, if you listen to the words from a twisted Manson-esque state of mind, you can kind of see why he thought that. It's it's interesting. Anyway, this is Blackbird, cover by G-Love and Special Sauce. Hope you enjoy this episode of Tangentially Speaking. Catch you next time. Singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arrive Blackbird singing in the dead of night Sucking eyes and learn to see 
My first podcast ever was a show called Wingmen that I did with a comedian named Brian Callen, hmm. who does Fighter and the Kid. Yeah, no way. Brian Callen also does this mixed me- mental arts thing with Hunter Motts yes, now. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've had Hunter on a couple of times. Yeah, Hunter's great. Yeah, Hunter. I've, I've only cool. heard Hunter on, uh, do you feel like we're being invaded? Yeah, right what, what was that, a helicopter? I feel like the aliens are landing. I think there's a garbage truck outside. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's like a deep vibration. I I. When that happens, that feeling like that, I do, like, I feel like we're in these crazy times that it could be. It could be like, here they come. Here come the aliens. Sooner the better, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's gotten to the point where I prefer aliens to the Trump administration. I would, I would certainly agree with that. Even if anal probes are involved. I don't, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm down. I have this theory that the aliens are going to get here and they're going to see skateboard tricks. And that's going to be the one thing that baffles them. Skateboard. Be like, Why? Everything else they're going to yeah. understand. This is where they get their food. Right, this right. This is where they have sex. This is where they sleep. This is where they, they play. Why are they riding these little things with wheels and doing kickflips? Dude, I got to tell you, I, I just, my entire life I've never understood skateboarding. I've ranted about it on this podcast. It's, I've ne- I can't think of another activity that people put so much effort into mm-hmm. for absolutely no payoff. It's, uh, and I used to skate a little bit, not a lot, but, uh, and I've done all kinds of like, I do extreme sports, not to an extreme. Mm. Like I do them 
a very calculated, yeah. measured. Yeah, I'm the same way. I like to do crazy way. shit in the safest yes, possible way. Exactly. Yeah. And skateboarding, I found it was a lot like whittling or fidgeting. <laughs> whittling. There's a lost art. Huh? Yeah. Who whittles these days? It was like, it's like <laughs> you're doing this thing where you're trying whittling. to like flick the board over yeah. again and again and again. And, and, it's all and you might muscle. break your knee yeah. while you're trying to learn to do it. It is painful. It's muscle memory. And, you know, I, I do a lot of CrossFit. And I, again, that's another thing that I just do. I just do it to stay healthy. I don't get into it like these guys do. And one of the movements is the snatch, which is a really... Uh, well, Donald cal- Trump does that one. <laughs> the snatch grab, right? Yeah, it's kind of what snatch it's called. Snatch and grab, yeah. yeah. And uh, you, you have to use a hook grip. But the, the movement is an Olympic lift and it's... Um, it's a lot like a golf swing. You have to do it over and over and over again. You'll see these little guys that are able to lift tremendous amounts of weight because they have such proper form right. and so functionally correct. And I never got good at it because of that, because I felt like, why am I gonna waste my time in a weight room just going over and over again to lift an amount of weight over my head in a certain way. And what they'll claim is that there's no better way to gain power and strength and speed and, and all this reason. Yeah. But a guy said to me the other day at the gym, he goes, how's your snatch game? And I said, it's not good. <laughs> and I go, but I love that sentence. <laughs> and I, I go, it's not good. And he goes, how come? And I go, well, let's see. I go, it's never got me laid and it's never made me money. And I feel yeah. like that with a lot of things in life, like why waste your time with it unless it's going to like progress you for like, I understand happiness and joy, and all, but I'm not getting joy from lifting a bar above my head in a certain yeah. manner. Well, see, and, I take that to the next level, which is why fucking work out at all. Yeah, there's, there's, look, there's definitely a, um, I, I've argued that many, I'm like this, this guy we had on the show last night is a very interesting guy that I think you should meet, uh, who we were discussing you. He's read all your books. And I've only written one, man. <laughs> no, but he read, oh, I'm sorry. We talked about your book, the, um, and then he wanted to talk about sperm wars too. So, oh, sperm wars. Um, yeah. but he, he and I were talking about that. He's like, he's, he was like an exercise guru and he's out of exercise now and he's into the sun and oxygen. Oh, he's, He's out there. Yeah. But um, with exercise, I feel like uh, I do it because I have a two-year-old and I'm old. Mm, right. <laughs> you want to keep and an edge. Yeah. I need to, I don't want to be, I don't want her to be 20 and I'm dead. <clears throat> yeah. I want to be able to go skiing with her or whatever she wants to do, yeah. still be there for her. Yeah. So that's, I look at it like health and vitality, but... I see too many people that get like completely body dysmorphic and yeah. uh, I mean a lot. My wife is a, a medical doctor, right? She grew up in Africa mm-hmm. and we come to America and she says, everywhere there are lobsters. I said, what are you talking about? She says, the men here, they're all lobsters. <laughs> it's the body dysmorphia. They're, 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 the yeah. upper body's yeah. huge and they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're totally imbalanced because there's this macho like, right. you know, it's all about pumping iron. Yep. Yep. You know, there's all these bro dudes and all this shit. And like, you know, I, as I told you earlier, I've been living in Spain for 25 years or something. And uh, 
So you get used to soccer. You get used to athletes who still look like normal humans. Mm -hmm. You know, like soccer, professional soccer players, they have big ass thighs, mm -hmm. but you don't really notice. And they're different heights. You know, they're short oh, guys. Sorry about that. Oh, that's festive. You can take, I don't even know. Take it if what, you, if what, you I don't. I don't even know what ringtone I usually have on. Sometimes it's uh, the um, clip from the movie, The Karate Kid, with a song, You're the best. <laughs> Nothing will make you feel good like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, my, my relationship with gyms and working out has always been problematic because, you know, I was like a dorky teenager mm -hmm. and, you know, I'd get beat up if I ventured into the gym too right, often. Right, right. And uh, so uh, I just, I like feeling good. I, pleasure is my guiding principle. So, like, I like going for hikes and, right, right, you know, right. uh, walking vigorously and right. all this. And then the older I get and the more research comes out, the more I feel validated that, in fact, a lot of the things people do to get healthy are counterproductive. You know, they hurt themselves. That's completely this, this whole thing. So I got into CrossFit, which was uh, the whole idea was functional strength. Fun what, what happened to me was I, I ran track in college a little bit and was uh, uh, got out of college and wanted to stay in shape and thought I'd try triathlons. And I wanted to be around like hot in shape chicks. And I went to triathlons and it was just these freaks, you know, in wetsuits and, you know, that, that stay in their own mind for six hours and ride a bike and run. And I was like, this is so lonely. Yeah. And I didn't enjoy it at all. And I kept wanting to stay fit, like just, just fit enough. I didn't want to be like one. And I would go to Gold's Gym and I'd look at these guys. I'm like, I don't want to be like this. Yeah. And I had a cousin who's actually a, a Navy SEAL. And I looked at him and I was like, look at you, like you look like you could run and jump and, you know, d do everything, like just continue to live life like right. we did as kids. And he's like, do this program. So I started mm. doing it and uh, then it morphed into this CrossFit stuff. Like that's, they'd say on this website, it was like a Navy SEAL website. If you, if you can't do this, and it was just push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, it was like, go to the CrossFit site. And I was like, what's this CrossFit site? So I went to this CrossFit site and I started doing it. And then I found out there was this giant weird cult yeah. of people in this weird world. And what I liked about it in the beginning was sometimes you only need to work out for three minutes. Mm, and it yeah, was all about yeah. like they had hacked exercise right. and narrowed it down to only doing the movements. And I was like, I love this. Yeah. I would literally walk into the gym, warm up for five minutes, work out for three, and I was out the door. Yeah. And I was like, this is what I've always wanted. See, I think sex is that. <laughs> Right? Sex is like you warm up for 15 or 20 minutes, a good vigorous 5 or 10. And, it really is. What's and then the you're average? drinking a beer. Isn't the, average like, the average like seven yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for our species. I used to be a lot lower. Now I'm under that six, seven minute air. And I'm just like, time for sleep. I'm lucky to get that. I love that. Have you seen the Dave Chappelle thing about premature ejaculation? Mm -mm. This is in a stand-up a few years ago. And he's like, you know, why you got to bring that up? You know, like... If I come, it was right on time. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're both trying to come, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I beat you. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, I don't know, though. I like, I, I, for me, I don't, I don't unless the girl does. I like, I, it's probably my insecurity, what makes me a comedian, trying to make people happy all the time. And Is that what makes you a comedian? I was going to get to that. but you. Th I, I think it's, uh, it, I think it's total insecurity. Um, I mean, I could... Part of me, I've never gone to a therapist, but I'm thinking about going hmm. to get to the bottom of why I chose this weird 
kind of profession. Like right. what, what led me down this road of weirdness, which it's kind of normal to me because I'm always around it. But at the end of the day, I'm like, no, it's so fucked up. It's so. I love it. I've become sort of a, I don't know if it's like a comedy groupie or, or a, you know, an honorary member of the comedy mm-hmm. community or something. I've got, you know, probably a dozen good friends of mine now are comics. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I spent a lot of time with them. And I, I really enjoy the company of, of comics because there's like, first of all, you, you can't be offended. Like the whole question of offending someone is impossible. Is, there's no point of even thinking about it. And although I've done it to a few, you've offended <laughs> comics. Um, ultra ultra liberal comics, I've offended a, a bunch. Oh, well, like a Sarah Silverman, you know, kind not, of thing. Not, not she, even not, Sarah. not her. No. Although Sarah got mad at me for swearing too much once. Really? Well, she felt like I fucked up the show for her. Oh, yeah. Oh. Which I don't blame her, but it was like a rowdy crowd, and I had to shut them up. Right. And then it made the show fucked up for her. Not uh, who's I thinking of? Who's that very, very liberal female comic? Janine. Janine Garofalo. Yeah. That's who I was thinking of. I yeah. could offend Janine. Probably. I think so. She's offendable. Yeah. 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 I offended a bunch of comedians in Australia on tour. We were on tour like five of us. Going around, they took like five comedians from. Yeah, you're all big in Australia, New I'm Zealand, not big, right? But I, I have, uh, I, I tour there a lot. I was with Jake Johansson yesterday, yeah, Jake, and I mentioned that I was going to meet you today, and he's like, "That guy's massive in in Australia, New Zealand." He's he's a great dude. Um, but I was touring with these. Actually, I take that back. It was New Zealand that I was touring, and they took like we were on a comedy festival there, and then they took five comedians <laughs> from all over the world and <laughs> put them in a van and took us to like every city in New Zealand. Wow. And so we had too much time together. One comedian was uh, like manic depressive that was in full depression mode. One comedian was newly out of the closet and couldn't stop talking about gay sex the whole time. <laughs> one, was, one was a cutter. Oh no. And his whole show was about self-harming. What? The other was a manic, like couldn't shut the fuck up. And then our driver who was our tour manager was a mute. So I couldn't, I was like seeking solace anywhere. And then I ate a pot brownie uh, and lost my mind on the trip. I tried to get out of it. Uh, My agent said I couldn't leave because they'd sue me because, you know, all the flights and everything, because we'd fly sometimes. And he's like, no, you got to stay. I'm like, I'm losing my fucking, there's a cutter. (laughs) There's a cutter on our bus. So, um, fuck. but we talked about drunk driving one night. And I said that I believed that they can go too far. Like that, um, you know, where do you draw the line? Yeah. Like if I've had alcohol in my, I was just saying they draw the line somewhere. It's point oh. This was in, in your actor. No, the, I was just, just having just a conversation. I did have a yeah. joke about drunk driving, like making, making yeah. light of it kind of. And I know there's people that have lost people and there's tons of fucking tragedy around the world in every aspect. But they went to war with me about like how wrong, and I said, yeah, I, I agree, it's wrong. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm not saying it isn't, yeah. but I'm saying, do you, cars kill people too, do we, do we then keep going? Do we, do we stop making cars? Do we, do we get rid of alcohol? Right. You're get- just exploring an idea, that's and what I love. That's all I was discussing was how yeah. I had done my research too, because yeah. that's where I, like, usually I'll take a topic and I research it so that I can be ready to manage the response. And I was getting into Mothers Against Drunk Driving where a lot of them quit 
because the woman that founded it quit because she felt like a lot of the other mothers were going too far. Her goal was to stop drunk driving. And she's like, they want to stop drinking. Like yeah. they want to end drinking. And right. she's like, I don't want to go that far. Yeah. And she's like, they've gotten, and one of the statistics they used was that, um, the drinking in or drunk driving deaths in America, once they raised the drinking age from 18 to 21 went down tremendously. Well, Canada had the same exact statistics. They went down the exact same percentage and Canada didn't raise the drinking age. What it was is cars got safer. Cars got uh, airbags. And, yeah. and so I was just saying, explore these things. Don't just go dead. And they fucking went to war with me. Yeah. And it was like, we were in a van for three days not speaking. Really? I, well, and, you accomplished that anyway. But for the most Shut part, up. for the most part, comedians are pretty awesome. It's to, funny you mentioned that as an example because, uh, you know, I consider this podcast a free fire zone as well. Like, I don't watch what I say. And, yeah. and one of the few times that I've really pissed people off that I got a lot of emails, angry mm -hmm. emails, was on that very topic. Really? I, yeah, I was talking with someone and I, you know, and I, I sort of rebel against this whole sort of like being, we all have to be ruled by the lowest common denominator, mm -hmm. you know. And so I was saying, look, I, I've been driving for, I'm 55, I've been driving since I was 16, right? A lot of that time I'd been drinking. Yeah. I've never had an accident. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I haven't had a ticket in 20 yeah. years. Yeah. And I was riding my motorcycle for seven years every day in Barcelona. That was my only means of transportation. I'd go out drinking, roll home at 2 o'clock in the morning on my motorcycle. Obviously, I know how to drive drunk. Yeah. So I think that you should be able to go down to the DMV, <laughs> have a couple of vodka tonics, and, you know, go out on the track and like, okay, stamp on the passport. This guy can metabolize alcohol in a way that isn't problematic. And I know, you know, demonstrably, scientifically, I can prove if, if I need to, that I drive better with three or four drinks in me than, you know, a distracted mom with a kid in the back seat or a 78-year-old fucking with one eye. How come I don't have a stamp on my fucking passport? I'd rather, I mean, have, a, my I'd rather have a drunk driver than a text driver. The texting I, driver, I exactly. Like the, and I think the statistics are starting to show that, yeah. that more deaths yeah. are occurring by texting. So... It's so weird. I mean, following your line of thought, like, oh, distraction. Okay, distraction is bad. Well, they say you can't, like, there's all this stuff with the phone is distracting. What about having somebody in the car with yeah. you? That's distracting. Eating food. There's all kinds of Eating food, and listening are, to the radio. Those are the laws, though. They can get you for eating food. They can get you for, yeah, there's all kinds. Oh, so really? we had this discussion on our podcast because the joke, I did a very similar joke, and we wanted to, I said, let's put it out there. Let's find out from lawyers police, everything. Let's get a parking lot and let's put helmets on and get shit faced and drive cars around, right. you know, like let's, or maybe just go karts or something right. like let's, and they said, Adam Carolla did something like that. <laughs> they said the police were there to monitor him. He drove a track and they had one drink, two drink. Uh -huh. And they said, the funny thing, all the cops are there. And after it's all done, Adam got in his car and he's like, see ya. And drove <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If they want to get drug drivers just to hang out at bars, right? I mean, every, it's, it's hypocrisy. Also, there's, uh, you ever heard of Andrew Weil? The, he was a medical doc. He is a medical doctor. He has a big beard. He was very famous for a while. He was on Oprah and all this stuff. He, he's one of the guys, one of the first guys who sort of brought in this idea of alternative medicine uh -huh. into Western practice. And he's also an expert on drugs and super interesting guy. Um, 
I had him on the podcast. He was my first interview on this podcast, actually. Um, but he, in the 70s, he, he went to Harvard, Harvard Med School, then Mass General Residency, like top, 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 you know, super smart guy. Then he went to the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda and was working there looking into marijuana. But he was the first person who did double-blind testing mm -hmm. of marijuana. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, the, so the scientists couldn't cook the books and, right, and right, make right. sure. So he wanted to look at how much marijuana um, harm driving ability. And what he did was he set up a test where he had, so all the, all the research up to that point had been uh, marijuana naive subjects. So people who never have been high in their lives. Wow. They get a massive dose of wow. marijuana and then they put them behind the wheel and they, they hit the cones and they get lost and everything, right? So he was like, okay, but that's not how life really is. Right. People get high, they get used to it, then they drive. So he took people who had a history of getting high and got them high and then let them drive versus not high versus someone who never, you know, all these different control groups. And what he found was that people who know how to drive high drive better when they're high. I believe that about everything. They're focused. Yeah. It's um, it, funny you said Dave Chappelle. Uh, years ago, I used to hang out with Dave in New York. And uh, one night I was doing a show at Caroline's and he came by the show. And uh, I didn't get high a lot. I got high a little bit, like, and I still do, just a little bit. I like it, but I don't, I can't do it a lot. And I should probably do it more. And uh, Dave, was already kind of a celebrity and I was just, I was new. So, uh, you know, I was kind of a, like, wow, Dave Chappelle. So I was, whatever Dave wants to do, I'll do. So I got this big show at Caroline's Comedy Club, which is a prestigious club. Yeah, I've been there. Dave yeah. goes, beautiful. hey, you want to get high? And I said, sure. So we went. So before the, the show? Yeah, right before the show, we went in the stairwell and we got high. And then they said, Dave, do you want to go on the show too? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so I went on. And I bombed like one of the worst bombs I've ever had because I would start a segue into a joke. Uh, yeah, like, I'm like, do you ever notice that, uh, you know, when you're on your phone uh, and it, someone clicks in uh, and then I would look out at the audience. I'm like, they don't like this. And yeah. I would go, one time I was with my girlfriend and I realized I just did, I just did. 20 minutes of segues. <laughs> you, just, no. you just abandoned and it. I kept, the... It kept getting worse and oh, I was getting man. paranoid. Oh. And then Dave came on and it, I, I hate to admit it, but I was like, I hope he bombs as bad as I do yeah. because that just looked at And I want him to come off stage and be like, wow, that was a tough crowd. Yeah. He gets up and just smashes it. <laughs> like, I mean, how these people are like standing ovation. They're going crazy. And I, at that point I was just like, wow, I just, you know, I guess I'm not funny. And, uh, you know, Dave, this just proves Dave's the king. Oh, and I, no. And I said to That's him afterwards, rough. I'm like, how do, you, how do you do that? Like, I, it just made you so funny and you were so... And he goes, I, he said something like, you ever get high when you go on? And I go, no. He goes, what are you doing then? <laughs> yeah. And I go... I don't, it makes you funny though. And he goes, not you. <laughs> like you, you yeah. are terrible. Yeah. And uh, he goes, don't do that. Yeah. He, and I go, how do you do it? He goes, I do it every time. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. like he was, and I see that with a lot of guys. And I used, my, my old podcast partner and I used to argue that we're better drunk on stage. Mm. And people, 
Seinfeld will say it's not professional or this guy will say that. I'm like, teach his own. Right. You know. Yeah, you do what works. I, uh, I'll be honest. I can do it completely sober and have great, great shows. But I always feel like that there is, if I have a couple drinks, takes the edge off where my inhibitions, where right. I let go a little bit. Just like, you know, so that's why it's a social lubricant. Right. And I'm on stage and I'm saying things that I'm, I'm a little happier I'm saying. Like, I, I don't like when I hold back. And being completely sober makes me hold back a little bit. Where I get a couple drinks in me and here we go. Yeah. I'm telling you what I really feel, what I want to tell you. Right. And this gives me not the balls to do it because I'll do it sober, but it makes it a lot more comfortable. Right. Yeah. And because some of the stuff I say is not that palatable. Hmm. And my, my wife always goes, why do you always try to make the most difficult subjects and make people uncomfortable on stage? And I go, because I don't know. I just, it's, that's interesting to me. Yeah. Making them laugh is, ugh. yeah. But well, that, I think that's the most important social function of comedy, right? Is, is pushing those taboos. Sure. Finding this stuff. I read a really interesting uh, essay recently. I, th- I think it, it might've been Hunter Motz. Actually. I, love, I, 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 I listened to him on Rogan and I was blown away. Yeah, he's he's a very smart guy yeah. and very uh, encyclopedic kind of intelligence. Yeah, and I like how he he doesn't just take a, a partisan kind of party line and go down it. He's he's able to jump back and forth and say, well, you know, there's th- th- you need yeah. to listen to both yeah. both opinions here, yeah. not just. Yeah, I <laughs> know yeah, he's a very good critical thinker. Anyway, this essay was um, it, it, the idea was. You know, we look back at, at the at the past, and we and we always see that there's certain things that were ridiculous that people believe that right mm-hmm. that that you could own another human being, or that women are obviously inferior to men in terms mm-hmm. of intelligence, or blacks inferior to whites, or you know mm-hmm. whatever. There are all these different things that we look back and say, Jesus, how did yeah, people think that? Well, then clearly there must be things in our time that people are going to look back and say, well, how could people have possibly believed that? Trump. Right? <laughs> for example. And so the, this essay was, okay, so what are some objective sort of mm, almost scientifically validated methods for distinguishing that in our own time, right? What are the, how can we look at our own time as if we're looking from 50 years mm-hmm. or 100 mm-hmm. years in the future? How can we, even though we're immersed in it, still have the perspective to figure sure. out where the bullshit lies, sure, sure. right? And one of the main ways was, what are the things that are just not talked about? What are the things that are taboo? Because mm-hmm. those taboos are protecting something that if you shine a light on it, it's exposed as bullshit. Right. So that's why I think it's so important that, you know, there's that, not all comics do it, but the comics who do, who are fascinated with, like, what is it I'm not allowed to say? Because that's what I'm going to fucking yeah, say. Yeah, and I've done that's it. Beautiful. I've done it, and it's really difficult in the beginning. But the, the feeling you get when you finally, it takes sometimes years to mm. work the bit out where right. it works. And once you finally get, I have a thing on, uh, on, uh, uh, like gender reassignment surgery now and all this mm. stuff that in the beginning I sounded like a total transphobe. Right. And it was just because I was completely unaware of all of the feelings out there. And as I developed the joke and sh- I got so much hate mail and they try, I do K rock. They tried to have me off camera and I figured all this stuff out. And then finally I'll tell the joke. I'll go to the, uh, the transgender. If they have a, a convention, 
I'll go perform the joke there, right. and I feel that comfortable with it. Right. So that's why I'm always like, don't criticize a comedian because you don't know what stage the joke is in. Mm. And just sit there and listen to it right. and evaluate it, but don't, don't go on an attack against it because it's like a, 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 you know, like a clay pot. And it has a hole in it right, right now, and it's right. water's coming out of it, right. and they're not done with it. Right. So, so I'm making these jokes, but I found the two most difficult subjects to get across an audience, and I find it funny. Was one is uh, underage sex, like having sex, like like with someone that's underage, and trying to discuss the subject matter, and the other one is not supporting the troops, and forever. I said that was the worst thing in America you could say on stage, was not like that you don't support the troops. George George uh, Carlin came out with that, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, he's like, Carlin, I don't Stan support. Stanhope had a great some... joke about it. Yeah. Um, and I was always trying to figure out a way that I could discuss it and not say I don't, but but do a joke about it that people would laugh at, especially be able to go into like middle America, into Nebraska or Michigan or one of these places where and get them to laugh at it. Yeah, or do and a show in to Iraq. To me, that's the, yeah, that was the challenge. <laughs> yeah. And I always, and my wife, they're like, why do you do this to yourself? And I'm like, why do you play chess? Why, right. do, you, why do you try to do anything in life? I yeah. go, I, I, and she's like, yeah, but then you just, you alienate people and you make people not, and people don't want to, th you know, and, um, and I, I've never really found my crowd because I'm not, you know, like those Carlins and, Stan Hopes and amazing comics like I just haven't figured out yet to be that good huh. and but uh but I can't do the fluffy stuff that all the guys are doing that's just bullshit you yeah know, just like hey women do this men do this yeah uh yeah. but the 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 child one I did about like I found it funny that there's a consensual age for sex state by state yeah and I used to tell a friend, he had a joke that he said, I drive across the country, I mean, my girlfriend's so young that uh, I couldn't drive across the country with her. And uh, I said, people aren't getting that. I go, you need to preface it with saying, the age of consent is different state by state. And then say, when I drove across the country with my girlfriend, in some states, we were just friends. <laughs> yeah. and, Had to take the Southern route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's even better. Punchline. But the joke that I tried to make was that I just find it weird that there's an arbitrary age. You know, that every, and I'm not, look, it's not like I want to go out and have sex with like 15 year old girls or whatever, but like, in New Mexico, it's 16, or in New York State, it's 17. And, yeah. and somebody, somebody sat around and made that law, and they decided that's the age when they're, when they're ready. And I said, I don't think it should be an age, because I think it's all based on their mentality, their maturity level. Right. So there should be some kind of test of maturity. Like, you get a driver's license. Are you able? I is agree. there a maturity level? I yeah. go, because we all know, we all know that girl in high school who was ready. Yeah. You know, like, she, she had <laughs> Vietnam vets coming right. by and Trans Ams picking her up. Like, that girl was ready. But we also, we also, I know 30-year-old <laughs> girls. Trans Ams, that's the detail. I know 30-year-old girls. They're not ready. Ready. Yeah, that you're yeah. just like you shouldn't be having sex. Emily here. Dickinson, <laughs> never ready. <laughs> like, she like was never ready. It should. It's it's like the barometric pressure, or not the barometric. The uh, what was the punchline I did? It was like the uh, 
you know, and they, the, the wind chill factor. Right. You know, she's, right. she's 16, but feels like 30. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's funny. And so yeah. that joke was always really hard to push through yeah. to an audience because they were like, don't, you could just feel them going, don't. <laughs> Tensing up. Don't, don't do talk it. about don't this. Do it. Don't, don't. Yeah. Well, have you, I, I think Louis C.K., I don't know if it's his last stand-up special he did or, or an early one, but he does a bit where he's like, man, you know, there's, it's, you get in so much trouble for pedophilia and, you know, the, the, you know, you get fired, your family will disown you, you, you know, the prison area. It must be really good to fuck kids. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I'm not saying I'd want to do it, but man, it must be great. Well, I, I tried to discuss the argument too when, when, uh, what's his name? Jerry, uh, what's the guy, the Penn State football coach? Sandusky. Sandusky. When Jerry Sandusky, uh, when they found out he had molested all those kids, um, weird story, my dad knew him. Uh, really? Yeah. I was born, my dad was teaching at Penn State oh, when I was born. Wow. I was born in Belfont, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. See, I grew up in <laughs> Happy Pittsburgh. Happy Valley. I grew up in Pittsburgh, and my dad oh. worked with the University of Pittsburgh football team, so oh, he knew. So did I, Beaver Falls. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know we had that connection. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dave Dave yeah, was born in that. Central yep. PA, yeah. Well, my my cousin is Eddie's neighbor, so we're that's Dave. So shout out to Dave. Hey, he'll probably listen to this episode. He will, and he'll he'll be mad that I didn't talk more about him. So, <laughs> Dave, well, what, what is Dave, there to you're say? the best. What is there to say Dave about Dave? Took me Dave? mountain biking, and I went over the handlebars, and he called me a pussy. Uh, that's Dave. So, he called me a pussy because I've got an electric assist mountain bike. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of thank cool. you, Specialized. <laughs> That's right. I keep forgetting to talk about it. Uh, I took it to the desert last weekend in the Mojave Desert. Oh, dude. It's so, have you ridden one of those? No, I've heard they're incredible. It's so nice. Yeah, I, I, I could talk about them sand. on my podcast, too. I do have a Specialized. You saw you, that. I saw you have a Specialized out in the garage, but you need to get an electric assist. I've seen, I've seen guys riding them, and I was like, that looks kind of... I wish I had it's one two days ago. so cool. Yeah. I went up this mountain and almost died. Yeah. No. But yeah. But, anyway, we're talking about Jerry Sandusky. Jerry Sandusky, yeah. the and this is something I've tried to talk about this on stage and like kind of, you know, shows where I'm working material. As soon as he did that, he was vilified. Which you know, granted, it's the worst thing in the world. It's terrible. You you ruin it's tragic. You ruin a child's life. And everybody was like, kill him, murder him. He's a he's a you know monster and blood. I get it, but. You know, it's always said that then the, the victims grow up to be aggressors themselves a lot right. of times. Like right. there's a, it, a lot of times people that are victims of violence or victims of yeah. sexual. And it turned out with the Syracuse case, there was a Syracuse coach and one of his victims grew up to be a pedophile themselves. And I, th I think something's just happened like that with Jerry Sandusky. I think one of his kids. His or son, yeah, son. got arrested for him. So, yeah. Everybody was like, what about the victims? What about the victims? What and I'm like, okay, let's feel bad for the victims. But let's take a snapshot of this and let's remember this. So 20 years later, when the victim does it, which there's a good chance they will. Yeah. And are you still going to want to murder them right. and call right. them a monster and call them this and call yeah. them that? And I'm not justifying pedophilia at all. What I'm saying is there needs to be a whole different look at it as this sickness yeah. rather than this crime and how do we stop the sickness and how do we stop the violence instead of 
this retributive like kill him murder him yeah. bro when he gets to jail they're gonna stab him and murder him and blah 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 and it's like let's you know, and i was trying to take all oh don't i mean that was one that i had to step away from because people would just start you know getting up in the audience and screaming at me and i'm like i'm not trying to, <laughs> i'm just trying to explore like have an open mind let's yeah. discuss this yeah. subject matter and yeah it's it's really fucked up that you know, I, I got an email from a guy who who said, because uh, I, I talk about this kind of stuff on the podcast, and he was like, look, here's the thing. I'm attracted to kids. Oh. I would never, <laughs> I would never ever do yeah. anything. Yeah. I never touch anyone or hurt anyone, but I have to acknowledge that yeah. I, you know. And I, it's just me saying, ooh, we live in this, that's taboo, and we live in this yeah. world where it's like, where does that guy run to? How does he get That's him? exactly what his email was about. He was like, look, I can't. I can't get therapy to help me not do this. Yeah, yeah. Because if I say to a therapist that I'm attracted to kids, the therapist will either turn me into mm -hmm. the cops or, you know, it's like I, th there's no support group in America. Yeah. Yeah. In Canada, there is. In Canada, oh, really? there are legal organizations where, where you can go and you're protected and you can admit to things and all. But in America, there's nowhere where you can go to say, hey, I've got this problem. I don't want to act on it. Yeah. I need some help here. You can't do it. And I believe that with everything. We push stuff underground in America yeah. and we, uh, this is my problem with the liberal left. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of this thing now. Uh, some French philosopher had a thing called horseshoe, horseshoe theory about uh, the left and right on, on a linear plane and we mm. all fall somewhere in between. It's more of a horseshoe. Right. And the ultra left and the ultra right are actually very close to each other. Well, look at the fucking Taliban and the American right. <laughs> They're the same. They're both anti-sex, anti-woman. You know, they're, it's it's the same thing. Anti-fun, anti-pleasure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but uh, the liberal left is so restrictive of speech, of discussing things, and yeah. like when they wanted to get rid of the Confederate flag in South Carolina. I, I made a joke about it. I said, why get rid of the flag? I said, you're then pushing it underground. And these people are still have those feelings and they're still going to act on that stuff. But now we don't know where they are. And now they're hidden and they're underground right. when it was better to know where they are so that you can have a conversation with them and maybe change their mind right. or enlighten them instead of having no idea, having no experiences with them and then holding back all their feelings because they're afraid of what will happen. Yeah. And I said, when I go to the trailer park and I buy my, buy my meth, I want to know which house not to go to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, which one has the rebel flag yeah. on it? I'll skip that one yeah. today. Uh, but they, there is this like, you, you can no longer have the conversation. Like yeah. the whole pet, you can't, these people can't say, hey, I need help. Yeah. Because they're pushed underground. And I think that's what happened with Trump. A lot of people that were pushed underground with their thoughts and their mm -hmm. were not able to discuss them. Right. So they went underground. They came out with all this anger. They yeah. voted for Trump in hiding. You know, they they called them leaners. You know, mm -hmm. they said that they'd lean in. But like, I, I voted for Trump. Oh, right. And then then they got kind of empowered as he like, yeah, yeah, I feel that fucking way. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I don't think Mexicans should be allowed in this country. And it, it gave too much power to them then, and we created that power. Rather than a 
having and yeah a, and being like I get it I understand well you know I, I, and the thing that kills me is it's demonstrably the case what you're saying is demonstrably the case whether you're talking about physics like what's the difference between a pile of gunpowder that you light on fire and it fizzles and mm-hmm. blah, 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 or oh let's put it in an enclosed container mm-hmm. that is very hard to break right let's mm-hmm. restrict it mm-hmm. and then it, and then you have an explosion right that's physics a bomb right. is is a force that is not allowed to expand at its natural sure. rate right or you look at sex education you look at the dutch approach to sex ed where it's like of course we talk about it openly it's kids are sexual beings yeah. you know you're 14 you have a girlfriend whatever invite her over to the house we'll meet her you know you guys sleep together but make sure you use condoms and yeah. you know it's totally cool their approach to drugs same thing yeah. like okay yeah. drugs are tolerated you know we don't necessarily want you to use them but if you're going to use them where they're going to be tested they're going to be pure america's all about no 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 don't talk about it but look at std transmission rates look at teen pregnancy rates it doesn't work our prison system does not work it's of course it doesn't but it's like this emotional ridiculously un unthinking approach to things in this country i did a, a a special uh a half hour special on comedy central i had three meetings before my show one was with uh, uh, standards and practices, seeing if I was saying, like, using any profanity or anything offensive. One was with legal, if I was slandering anyone. And one was with uh, advertising. Funny, the, the most restrictive one was advertising. Sure. They're the ones that really came down on me. But they did in the other two also. Can't say this, can't say that. Right. I did a show in Holland, in uh, Rotterdam, on yeah. a TV show. And the guy said, I need to, you know, have a meeting with you and go over your material. And I said, oh, okay. So, like, let's go what I can and can't say. And he goes, like, I'm like, what, you know, what is okay? And he goes, no, no, we just want to make sure it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, oh. And he goes, this is Holland. He goes, yeah, we we really believe in freedom. Yeah. And I went. Yeah. We don't just talk about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this is how it works. I did, uh, you mentioned that you saw my TED Talk, and I've, I've talked about that experience enough on this podcast. I won't get into it again, but they're very, like, looking over your shoulder. Yeah. You know, they want to know everything you're going to say down to the word, to the <laughs> second, everything. And uh, that's not my style, right. right? I mean, I'm no stand-up comic, right. but I like to be able to say whatever the fuck I want to yeah. say. And... Um, but I did this thing in Australia, which is sort of the Australian TED. It's called mm. the Festival of Dangerous Ideas. It's at Sydney Opera House okay. every year. And um, so they have authors and mm. people come in from all over the world. And before I went on stage, I said, like, um, okay, are there certain words I can't use? or thing? And they're like, no, you <laughs> just go out there, say whatever you want, yeah. offend people. We want people to be talking yeah. about yeah. this. Yeah. It's the festival yeah. of dangerous ideas, yeah. man. Go for it. You know, totally different approach. Americans think it's funny how, you know, how, how I guess this is sort of a universal principle. Like if you see some some right wing asshole screaming about, uh, you know, the sacredness of marriage, you know, he's having an affair. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, or yeah, like yeah. the goddamn yeah. the dirty yeah. homosexuals. You know he's sucking he's, dick, he's right? He's got a glory hole in his yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So it's, and it happens on a national level as well. America is this whole pumped up, we're the best, we're not afraid of anything. It's the most fearful fucking culture I've ever experienced. Oh, it's, it's amazing. They're afraid of everything. Bomb goes off in Paris. People in fucking Albuquerque think they're about to die. Yeah. You know? It's, it's like, what is wrong at, with remember, you? Remember... Uh, 2000, when they thought, then people were like duct taping their windows, and <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and then there was Ebola. Get, Ebola's gonna get us, and then the, Zika. The Zika's Ebola. coming. I, I used to have and, a joke about Ebola because it was so funny how it was on the news 20. CNN should have changed their name to All the Ebola All the Time. <laughs> <laughs> after two weeks, they're like, how many, how many deaths now? The death. Rate is up to in America one, <laughs> one guy who came, yeah, who came from, from Senegal or something with, with yeah. Ebola. Yeah, he brought it with him. Yeah, he died with it, and no yeah. one else has gotten it. Yeah, I mean the way they terrified us. Yeah, and it's it's. I, mean, I talk about it with sharks because I surf a lot, and everybody would say the shark rates are going up, and they're not statistically. Every once in a while there's an aberration, but for the for the most part. Statistics go that there's about 70 attacks worldwide. Two-thirds of them happen in the United States. Two-thirds of them happen in one county in Florida. Really? And there's, there's usually about five deaths a year worldwide. Five deaths. Right. More people die from peanut allergies. Yeah. More people die from vending machines falling on them. Right. Vending machines fall because people <laughs> fucking shake them. And, and <laughs> Try to reach up To the up point inside. of no return. And it falls on them. Yeah. I mean... And my mom just called me. She calls, oh, yeah, there's a shark attack. There's a shark attack. You stay out. I really want you to stay out of the water. And I go, Mom, I don't want you to drive today. Yeah. I don't want you to drive. And is the dog there? Stay away from the dog because yeah. uh, 20 people or 18 to 20 people in the United States die a year from dogs. Hmm. So please stay away from the dog. Don't, yeah. don't let the dog in the house. And more people are surfing than ever before. More people are surfing. They're seeing more because of the drones. The GoPros in the water hmm. and uh, more people in the water yeah. and everything goes on the internet. And if there's a shark scene in South Africa, it used to take months before it would appear in the news or whatever. Right. Now it's instantaneous, right. yeah. goes global and everyone freaks the fuck out. Yeah, it's a weird thing how how what uh, what attracts attention becomes powerful because of the economy, the attention economy. Mm -hmm. And then... It, it occupies a disproportionate space in our consciousness. So it like warps the world. It, yeah. It's like everything. It's it, like they're trigger, trigger subjects that trigger fear. Yeah. Terrorism, sharks. Right. Um, pandemics. There's things that... It's, but they have to be spectacular. spectacular. They, they can't be like, oh, there's lead in the water supply and the infrastructure's yeah, falling apart. Yeah, weirdly, that, that's something that's real. Yeah. That actually has ramifications it has yeah. like i've always said to my parents i all like everything i do is calculated i take all my risks calculate like how many people die doing this or doing this or doing what are like um you know would i ride a motorcycle here would i do this would i right. and how does that affect your use of condoms you know what's weird about that uh <laughs> uh was not good, and uh, and and statistically, I wasn't good either. Too so never got a pregnancy, but uh, yeah. I had some uh, I had some trips to the doctor. Oh really? Uh, uh, one, yeah, yeah. I told yeah. the story on it, the podcast last week. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah. And, and did the woman who gave you whatever it was? Yeah. Well, 
I've, I've a bunch of stories. I've told some horrific. If my, so I do two podcasts. I do a strength and conditioning one, and then I do one called Talking Shit, right? Which is just oh, I do one called Talking Out My Ass. Oh, really? Yeah. The Toma is it? Yeah. Well, we. It's a no holds barred like the worst possible things we could ever say. Right. We have said, and we've been called homophobic, racist, everything. And this is the other thing that I find funny. They'll call us racist when I was in a room full of like my black friends right. doing these jokes. Or we had one time, it all started, I'm not so proud of this. Two of the guys on the show wanted to have an eating competition. I said, yeah, I've, I toured with you. I've never seen anyone eat like you. And the one guy was like, I could eat more than you. So we went out and got Subway sandwiches and had them race. And I've always found eating competitions really pathetic because yeah. they're starving people all over the right. world. So I put on the TV, I found like from the computer, I found videos of starving children in Africa <laughs> oh, with like flies on them, distended oh, stomachs. Oh, and I said, you have to maintain eye contact <laughs> no. with the television. No. While you eat. And the thing That's is, I was so trying funny. to prove a point that yeah. like we're pathetic. Yeah. Like we're yeah. a bunch of fucking gluttonous assholes yeah. in America. Yeah. The fact that we have Nathan's hot dog eating competition, yeah. that we have wet t-shirt contests when people don't yeah. have water. Yeah. And remember that. Just remember that when you're saying, I want my I don't want to pay my taxes. Yeah. Just realize how fucking gluttonous we are. So I'm watching it and then somehow it grew into this, well, Nathan's hot dog competition is coming on. So I got all the interns on the show to sit and Joey Chestnuts ate like 60 hot dogs in 12 minutes with the bun. And my one intern was like, I can eat that many without the bun for sure. And I was like, okay. And I, I forget, I think I said I'd give them like $1,000 or something to the winner. And uh, it couldn't have been a thousand. I'm too cheap to give them a thousand. But uh, maybe it was 250. It was something that, it was a, a reason they all did it. But they ate hot dogs. We had like a baby baby pool full of hot dogs <laughs> baby pool and was there a baby in it so, no oh. so they had to eat these hot dogs without the buns and i made them do it on their knees without their shirts on watching gay porn <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a it's a room full of men watching gay porn together uh, uh. and while these guys are going <laughs> <laughs> and they had to maintain eye contact. And somebody called me a homophobe. And I went, homophobe? That's the most homoerotic thing I've ever been in. I mean, there were a bunch of dudes watching gay porn together. Yeah. Like, how is that? And they were like, no, no, you guys are homophobes. Yeah. But They're homophobic. Like, Colbert just got accused of being yeah. homophobic for the cock holster joke. Unbelievable. And I'm thinking, every time that happens, it's like, wait a minute. Women suck as much dick as men do. Yeah. God, Allah be praised, right? Uh, hopefully they do. Yeah. Uh, so how is cock holster homophobic? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I didn't understand that. I, I you know, the FCC. It just makes no amazes sense. Amazes me that it exists. I saw, I saw a thing recently. I don't know if it was on the the Daily Show, the Trevor Noah, or, or one, one of those like late night things. And it was... They ble they bleep the word a asshole or cunthead or so something like that. I think it was asshole, but they bleeped hole. Because I guess you can say ass, but you can't say asshole. I wish I recorded my meeting with 
uh, with Comedy Central. For your... When I went over my special work. Yeah. Because the funniest part is I had a joke that was... Um, it's an old joke that I used to do that I said, my, my, best friend, <laughs> my best friend is a midget. He's a real life... You know, and I, and I said, uh, and he hates that word. He said, midget is the most offensive word that you could call a little person. And I said, what about nigger midget? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's way more offensive. And I'm like, how dare you think that your M word is yeah. worse than the N word? Yeah. It's not like your people were enslaved except in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> they were, by the way. They were like corralled and put in an area. They weren't, it's a true story. They weren't kept with the regular actors. They kept them like they were freaks. Oh, really? Oh, it's terrible. On the set. Yeah. Oh, man. So they wanted to use, they had somebody that works at Comedy Central kind of bullet point all my jokes because they put a teleprompter in case you lose your order while uh, you're shooting. Right. You can look up and go, oh, I'm into this joke. Right. And we do that a lot with comedians. We'll make a set list and yeah. one word for a joke. So they bullet point all my jokes. And one of the jokes, they just put the title, nigger midget. <laughs> and I walk into this meeting and they've got like this packet for me to look at. And there's a table full of oh, people man. sitting around. And, uh, you know, oh. a whole bunch of them are black or African-American, whatever the word is that you're, I, I don't know. And I'm, trust me, I'm not, I, I'd like to think I'm not racist at all. But yeah. uh, I'm sitting around the room and they're like, okay, let's go over your bullet points. Let's just make sure everything's correct. And I just look up and I'm like... Um, I need to explain this right here because all they see is that. And they like, don't. They I, haven't heard the. They haven't heard the joke. Right. And I'm like, I, uh, uh, and they're just looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. And I'm like, it's. Can we change this? Like, I just. It, is it? It's offending the whole. I, ah, and I just didn't know how to explain it. it. Was like it was out of context. Yeah. And. Uh, the things they said, they go, okay, so we're going to bleep when you say that word. And I was like, that's fine. I get it. I understand you're not going to let me say that. Yeah. And then they said, but then we're also going to bleep when you say the N-word. And I went, you're going to bleep the N-word. And they said, yeah, because then the audience knows what you said. And I go, well, that's the whole point. Like, that's why we would do the joke, because the joke is funny then, that they know that's what I said. And they go, yeah, so we have to bleep N-word. And I went, so can we get into, like, conceptualizing then? Can I discuss how, and I want to, like, break it down, like, do a joke then about how they're bleeping yeah. and trying to explain to the audience and go and be like, do you realize how childish we're being yeah. that we can't discuss language right now? Yeah. And none of this is offense. It's not like I'm pointing a finger and calling somebody a word and a derogatory word and hurting their feelings. Right. It's I'm discussing it's an idea. the offensiveness of the word and yeah. an idea. And I was just, I was just shaking my head in the meeting going, do I need to move? Yeah. Do I need to get out of this country because you're all so pedantic and so... It, 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 yeah. So so they bleeped midget? No, they bleeped... Just the, just the nigger part. Yeah, and then they also bleeped N-word. They bleeped the actual N-word. Yes. So... That is... That, it's, yeah. It's it baffling. It, it's hard to understand. 
And uh, yeah. so, so there should be then a socially acceptable word or phrase that refers to N word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm losing my mind. That's what happened with the transgender the community. NW word. I used the word tranny on Kevin and Bean, uh, K Rock. Hmm. And they wrote in and lost their minds. I mean, they wrote, they wrote letters. They didn't, they didn't email letters. Yeah. They wrote. I don't know who write. I can't even write oh, a check. Actual handwritten. Yeah. They, <laughs> they wrote letters and the head of K-Rock was like, never have Eddie Ift on again. Really? And Kevin and Bean were like, they're like, Kevin Weatherly's so upset. They, there were so much backlash over your appearance. The transgender community was so upset. And I started getting a lot of responses to jokes I was doing. Because it was, a lot of times it was, I was discussing Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. And it was, we're exploring this thing. It's so new to us all. We don't know and we're not, we don't know what the rules are yet. And how, like, let us formulate an opinion and discuss it and yeah. examine it. And don't criticize people because we don't know. Right. Inform us and don't. Don't come down on us. We look. I want to be as accepting as anyone. I want to total, and I am. And yeah. I'm like, I understand. It's a weird, weird, crazy world, and you want to do whatever yeah. you want to do. I'm all for it. But they were so mad that I used the word tranny, and they said, uh, and this is the the joke I made. They said the comic on the radio used the word tranny, and tranny's a slur because it's an abbreviation, and it minimalizes who we are, what we do, and what we represent. Yeah. And so I said, I wrote back to them and said. Um, I'm a comedian, and you call me a comic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's an abbreviation, yeah, right. so it's a slur. Right. Uh, it's, when it gets into the... Yeah, it the, makes no fucking sense. I mean, Dan Savage got in trouble for using the word tranny. And, you know, Dan Savage yeah, 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 is, right? Yeah, and, uh, and then, you know, he talked to the transgender community, and it turns out that older transgender people use the word themselves. And it's, you know, it's, it's like the word nigger in the black community. It's, it's been reclaimed within that community as like a, a word we can use and it's cool and we like it. And it's weird because it's, it's, it, I believe it's so contextual and yeah. it's, it's, it's subjective and it's based on different, like that's what they were talking about with the, the rules about the transgender bathrooms and everything that it should be just left up to the individual, like school districts and and subjective cases and what the situation is and everything like it shouldn't be a federal law that we're all yeah and uh, and i'm i'm all for free i i want co-ed bathrooms everywhere <laughs> like, yeah i've seen girls pee standing up and do it well it's so, a beautiful thing so uh uh like if somebody goes you fucking piece of shit fucking transgender opposed to um, I'm very good friends with this tranny. Yeah. One of them is really derogatory. One of them is not, and it contextually yeah. can be so. Well, uh, this I think this gets back to what we were saying earlier about American uh, cognitive process. America, American culture has big problems with nuance and uh, ambiguity. Yeah. It's you know the first thing I noticed getting to Spain, other than the fact that the women were just so sexy, was that Spanish culture incorporates a, a, a sort of appreciation for ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Like, I've told this story before. One example that I always remember is uh, parking my motorcycle on the Rambles in Barcelona. I pull up, there are motorcycles parked all along there. And I pull up and there's a cop standing there and there's a sign that says no parking. And I'm like, okay, I'm about 
to park right in front of a cop, right next to a no parking sign, but there are motorcycles here. So I guess it's cool. And I go to the cop and I'm like, hey, is it cool? That... And he said, well, no, but normally we won't do anything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, all right, that's Spain. Now, can you imagine a cop nope. in America nope. being like, well, it's against the law, but you know, whatever. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't a good student and I, I talk up my ass a lot. And if I know something, I spout it out there. And I always like on podcasts like this, I'm afraid I'm going to get like, you, how dare you say it? But I mean, weren't we created by, you know, the people that founded this country were, you know, all, all about laws and they were pretty, pretty, not parochial, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they were very religious people puritanical yeah puritanical and and didn't so well there's that and then i think there's also the fact that american culture is is composed of all these different people coming in and you know in spain or in holland or the uh no this doesn't explain australia but in european societies it's like there's a way to be french and you just know this is how, this is how a French person eats. This is the kind of food a French person eats. This is how a French yeah. person behaves. This is how a Spanish person it's behaves. It's it's just like yeah, homogenous. And there's history and there's a way of being. Whereas in America, there's ne- it's not clear like what is the American way of doing this or that or the other thing. So I think America, we have these rules because of these Im- ways yeah, of immigration. So many different people coming in and not knowing. Because they all have different rules themselves. Exactly. So there has to be like a set of rules here. Yeah, that does make sense. And also our legal system is different. Like in European countries, you don't, the cops don't get involved until someone complains. Mm -hmm. And in America, it's, the cops are involved if you break the law. So it doesn't matter if you, you know, like for example, I've grown weed in Spain Mm -hmm. for years Mm -hmm. and it was illegal for a lot of those years. It's not anymore, but it, even when it was illegal, you would not get in trouble unless somebody called the yeah. cops and said, yeah. hey, this guy's growing all this weed and it right. bothers me because it's blocking right. my view or something, right? And then the cops would come and be like, yeah, get rid of the weed because your neighbor's complaining. Yeah. They wouldn't be like yeah, I just looking had, to bust I just, you. I just had a friend go to jail for 10 years for um, he was giving mortgages to people that didn't qualify. And because he was giving them over state lines or there was why it was wire fraud and it was a federal law and there was a mandatory minimum of 10 years. And this guy, he was a comedian in Pittsburgh that I started with. And I, I haven't seen him in years, but I just found this out and I wanted to cry. I was so upset. I wanted to cry because I see how much people can get good attorney. And I said, they said, it didn't matter. It was a federal case. The law states this, and he's got to go to jail for 10 years, no parole, no, no good behavior. Ten year, he's going to serve 10 years, and he had like a two-year-old child or something. Minimum mandatory. And I went, this is, yeah. this is like, there has to be something we can do. This is so unfair. Even the judges are against minimum mandatory. Yeah, like, and that's the fact that the judge can't go, yeah. all right, come on, guys. There's, there's bankers on Wall Street that made right. billions of dollars on right. this. And this guy who probably made a couple hundred grand, maybe, or whatever he did, and we're going to, 10 years in prison? Yeah. Like, how there's not, like, like, let's let the court of public opinion in on this one. 
You know, like or just let a judge be a judge. Yeah. The whole point yeah, of yeah, being a judge yeah, is not yeah. to look at a list and yeah, say, yeah, okay, yeah. you had you know fifteen grams and fifteen grams equals yeah, boom. Yeah. It's we don't need judges. You can just get a fucking computer program can do that. And I, it, it, and that terrified me yeah. that I lived in this world that there are laws. And that there are different ones, that there's a federal law and there's a state law. And this, yeah. everybody went, oh, it's because it, it became federal and blah, blah, blah. And I went, this is just, it, it makes me shake. And, I, yeah. and it's so sad. Like, he's yeah. in there, he's doing his 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, America has, what is it, 25, 5% of the world's population and 25% of the world's prisoners. It's so land of the free it's so weird because all of the things that i thought were going to be on the platform and discussed as hillary clinton i mean i wasn't a hillary fan but as she became president i thought okay we're going to get to talk about prison reform we're going to get to talk about and now we've gone so many steps backwards yeah like all these laws are being reversed and and now we've got to fight about just these little freedoms that we had that we're like, oh my God, they're taking this away from us. Yeah. And and uh, I, I thought we were going to go in this direction of, oh, we're going to open up and we're going to start talking about yeah. things like that. And now I'm worried about net neutrality and yeah. all these different things that I... Selling ne- off the national parks. Yeah, I never thought we'd have to worry about yeah. ever. Yeah. And it's, I, all, I, I, saw, I wake up and feel like the day he won, I was like, am I, is this a dream? Yeah. I woke up in the middle of the night before the election at like three in the morning I woke my wife up I just had a fucking awful nightmare that Trump won and then I sat in a comedy club with a whole bunch of comedians it's the least funny I've ever seen comedians when the election was going that way and I felt like you know they say the first sign of the apocalypse is the antichrist and I'm like are we in the apocalypse because it was like there was no stopping this from happening and Everybody's like, it happened because of this, you know, gerrymandering, or you know, the the coal miners, or the Michigan and NAFTA, and no, it was like, it was unstoppable. It was going to happen, and all these crazy, weird, wrong things are happening, and I feel like I'm living in a nightmare. Well, the way, I mean, my hopeful look at this is that the system is broken. Oh, yeah. Right? And we've known that for a long time, yeah. right? I mean, Congress approval yeah. ratings are at their lowest ever and all that. And so when Obama came, it was like, oh, look at this. You know, uh, we could do more of the same, another old white guy, John McCain. Or did Obama run against McCain? Yeah, it was McCain yeah. the first yeah. one, right? Or like, hey, this young black dude. Like, yeah. okay, let's yeah. do that. So we did that, hope and change, right? Things didn't change enough. No. Things no. didn't really change. No. So, again, now what do we got? Clinton. A woman but Clinton. Yeah. She's been yeah. around forever. It's more of the yeah. same. It's Wall Street, blah, blah, blah. Or this fucking maniac. Change. So I, I think, of course, I mean, it's everybody. I think Bernie was the answer. Bernie was the answer yeah. because Bernie was yeah. change, yeah. right? Even though he's an old white guy. And so the next time, like, tr- this whole Trump thing is collapsing Let's as hope. we speak. Let's hope pencil ride it out i guess you know but it looks like two years from now the you know the the congress is going to go democrat everything's going to go democrat there'll be this huge sweep against them that'll neutralize them and just sort of keep them you know in check and then in the next election if it'll be again it'll be some radical option yeah right it'll be radical right radical left have you ever read i i think i have it here uh republic lost by lawrence lessig 
No, I know him though. I've read his essays in I the New Yorker. I love his stuff. Yeah. And he basically talks about, and, and I agree with him, that we're, this is my analogy of it, that we, as Americans, we're always complaining. It's like we have a house. This country's a house. And we're always complaining about the roof's broken, you know, the roof's leaking, the, the shutter's falling off, the window's cracked, the dishwasher needs fixed. But the foundation is off the foundation. Mm. And we're trying to fix the roof, fix the dishwasher, fix right. We need to put it back on the foundation. And even the foundation might be flawed a little bit to allow what's going on go on. And that is that the money that influences politics and yeah. the fact that all the lobbying and people need to understand how laws get made and how politicians vote and the influence of the lobbyists. And Lawrence Lessig breaks it down so easily. And at the end of the book, you're like, this is fucked. And we need everything from corn subsidies to, yeah. to, to teachers unions, to, uh, to the military industrial complex, to every, all of it is nothing truthful is happening because of the campaign financing. And how do we fucking stop this? Yeah, see, I look at it from a historical perspective, and, I, I, and it's essentially the same analysis, but I look at it as super organisms, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and again, I've spoken about this on the podcast. I don't want to bore people with it. But basically... Did that, I hear you and Rogan talking about this, or was he just probably, talking about this with someone else? Yeah, I've, I've been talking about yeah. it for a while, yeah. Um, the idea is, is just that, you know, you've got single cellular organisms and they combine to make multicellular and they combine right. to make more complex organisms and so on up the, up the line. And then you get to us and we are full of all these other beings right. within us, right? So each of us is essentially a community of organisms. And then so just continue it up. So what right. is it that we're embedded in that's yeah. another life form? Yeah. Institutions, right? So right. it's government and, and uh, corporations and all this kind of stuff. So I see them as living things. Right. And there's been this conflict between uh, economic institutions, corporations, and governmental institutions. And the governmental institutions were sort of functioning in our interests, more or less, or at least claiming to. And But now the corporate institutions have taken over right. and wiped right. it out. So in America, you've got the, the government's done. It's, yeah. They're yeah. the Washington Nationals yeah. against the fucking Harlem Globetrotters, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, yeah. They're just pretending yeah. 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 to... Whereas in countries like European countries... That's a where funny analogy. I've never heard anybody use the Globetrotters. I hear WWE a lot. Yeah. But I like the Globetrotter yeah. one way better. I mean, the Democrats, the Democrats are just like, they're just on the Such court to lose. Reference, yeah. The Washington Nat, that was the team that always lost. <laughs> they're the saddest. <laughs> that would be the worst. <laughs> worst gig ever. Go out and Washington get humiliated. Nationals. I get paid to and lose. And they're white, too, you know? It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> the Washington Nationals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. No, I, I, so I, I think I, it's done. I'm afraid it's done in this kind. I don't see how government's going to come back. It's very hard, and it could be, you know, the fall without of, revolution. Yeah. Uh, well, I've said that a bunch of times. It, it 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 might. And I thought removing revolution can happen, but then Trump showed up, and I was like, oh, oh, revolution can happen, because yeah. 
it was going in such a direction. I, I bet so much money to people. I'm like, he can't win. It's impossible. And I studied political science in college. I was like, don't you know, 98% of the time, the candidate with the most money wins. And it's because they've got the money. They buy the name recognition. It's Coke versus Pepsi. Right, Whoever's right. got more money, people are going to buy it. It might be Pepsi. You're right. Better that, that's a hopeful aspect. And that's of what it. I thought. And I'm yeah. like, Hillary's got so much fucking money. But what I didn't realize is that the 2% of the time, the candidate that wins has more name recognition that they don't have to buy. Right. The, the, and Trump had incredible, he's been branding with his name the whole yeah. time. And it was, Hillary, I think, really put the nail in uh, Bernie's coffin in South Carolina. I, I could be completely yeah, I wrong. Remember. But I think it was South Carolina and she went down there and she was able to scare the black vote in, mm. in and it was because Clinton, Bill Clinton was very popular with the blacks and, uh, and, and Southern blacks and had done a good, and she went down there, he had all this momentum. She lost South Carolina and it was like, oh, he needed this state. Yeah. He really needed this. And I think that was the end for him. And what it was, I mean, she just had such name recognition and you go into, I mean, anyone, anyone, like uh, I think 99% of the voters and you go, tell me their stance on these issues. And they're not going to know. Yeah. And they go back to, I read this article that uh, I, I read uh, all these, like, I, when it happened, I was like, I need to know the psychology of people and why they would vote for him. And I also want to know the psychology of how do we, ch like, not change their minds, but inform them that they are able to understand, like, and it was just too baffling because it goes back to like religion and why people and mm. uh, it, there was so much uh, so much I read about conservative liberals and conservatives that it could be because your culture your DNA because you're mm. nomadic or you were farmer. You know, a farmer yeah. and you protected your farm and you're yeah. conservative and you want to conserve all your resources and you don't want people coming in and I was like I'm a, a way left of center my family are all conservatives Hmm. I have the same DNA as them, or do I? Was my mom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> your mom fuck a nomad? <laughs> Some hitchhiker one yeah, day? You yeah, know, like what happened? Through. So I don't understand that, and maybe I'm just an anomaly. But I've been trying to understand the whole psychology of, of, of all this. But I do think it was just... I had a friend that worked on the Trump campaign, like a, a high school friend, and he's a Republican. And he told me, he's like, you don't get it, do you? He goes... Kanye and Kim Kardashian could win. They could run for office in this country and win easily. Mm -hmm. He said, I worked on Schwarzenegger's campaign. He goes, I knew Trump was going to win. He's like, America is, <laughs> you have to understand how simple the country is. Yeah. And, you know, and how much is brainwashing. And I believe he uses a lot of brainwashing techniques in the way he Yeah, do you read the Scott, uh, what's his name, the guy who does the Dilbert? Yeah, yeah, yeah I read his yeah, thing yeah, on it. Yeah, I read his stuff leading up to it, and yeah. it, I thought he was full of shit, but No, right not. away, um, I watched this program on HBO years ago about evangelists and Hitler, mm. how what, t what evangelists do is very similar to what Hitler does to mind control, and you get group, that's why you want the largest groups possible in like live, that's why he does rallies. Mm. And because it's group thought and people see this guy cheering and this guy, then mm. I should cheer. Right. And I've seen people laugh in my audience when they're not paying attention to the joke. Right. And then they look around, they see the audience laughing and, and then they, they laugh. laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, he says things over and over again. He uses superlatives all the time. And I always thought he's not smart enough yeah. to brainwash people. But I guess I've seen some really dumb people thing. Yeah. just follow rules and do like, yeah. hey, here's brainwashing 101. I'm so you think this. he learned it consciously or Absolutely. you think he just sort of Absolutely. picked it up over time that somebody this said, works? Somebody said that he was very uh, interested in Hitler's like, but, you know, a lot of people do. I've read some of Hitler's, you know, like Mein Kampf and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I think he was very interested in that stuff. And there's... And, you know, his early mentor, Roy Cohn. Yeah. I mean, that's an evil fuck right yeah. there, man. Yeah, that whole... McCarthy's right-hand man. Thing. Yeah, he was McCarthy's right-hand man. And he, w he was a closeted homosexual who yeah. persecuted gays his whole life. Yeah. The thing that scares me I think me he died it. from AIDS, actually. <laughs> the irony. Yeah. The... the um, the thing that scares me about that guy and Trump's, I feel like Trump is uh, influencing a whole new generation of people that don't apologize, uh, fail upwards, and you can have everything you want if you don't say you're sorry and you don't, it, it, there's no, there's no recourse for, for any of his, any of his dagger, like the, the guy can, 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 he really could murder a person on yeah. the 50 yard line of the Super Bowl. And he said and it. He I, said, I could shoot I, someone yeah. on Fifth Avenue, they'd still vote they for him. They would me. still follow him, yeah. and that means that he could start a genocide. He could start with one, go to two, go to three, and you're going to have 50% of the population follow him. And it's treating an, a new generation that that's. If you want to be successful in this superficial world, go that route Yeah, and do it. So, okay, if we're moving into a politics of name recognition alone, mm -hmm. uh, could it work? Could George Clooney run? Well, that's what Lawrence Lessig says, is that we get super candidates. Yeah. He said that you get super candidates to run, and lobbying is always done with threats and not real money. Like, the NRA doesn't have as much money as people think they have. They have a tremendous amount, but not like crazy. And all they do is they just target people. And they'll go, oh, you're against this gun bill? Well, then we're going to give all the money to this candidate. Right. And we will get him elected. Right. And you go, the threat is what works. You right. go, all right, all right, all right, right. I'll vote for it. So he says, we go in with these Matt Damons and George Clooney's, and they're going to beat you. I don't care who the fuck you are. They come into your district, and you don't have to live in a district, and we go, hey, you're not going to vote for the Fair Elections Now Act, which is going to stop all this campaign financing mm. bullshit? Right. Matt Damon's running against you, and right. guess who's going to vote for that? Right. Matt Damon's going to vote. And you go, all right, all right, you got my vote. Mm. And so, you know, they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. All of a sudden, they're going, all right, I'll bite the hand, I'll bite the hand, because at least I'll... You know, so we need Matt Damon and George Clooney to... Uh, you get 50 fucking guys that, that yeah. Hollywood, that America will... I know that name. So Hollywood can save America. Hollywood could in a weird <laughs> fucking way. <laughs> Trey Stone, I mean, come on. Trump, yeah. Trump was a Hollywooder. Yeah. He was a Hollywood. Yeah. Everybody knows the Hollywood elite. He is. Yeah, He's yeah. total Hollywood. It's true. He's got more IMDb credits than 90% of people. Well, and Ronald Reagan, right? I yeah. mean, he blazed that fucking trail. So Jesus. you just get these super candidates together, and it's, it always baffles me that in the tech world, and all these worlds, there's so many ingenious ideas like Uber or... You know, revolutionary ideas and Elon. 
no one's revolutionized politics. Yeah. No one's come in with this concept and gone, we're going to do something like tech-wise, or we're going right. to... Let's hack this. Yeah. Well, maybe we're, maybe, you know, we're at rock bottom. That's what I... I do a joke. I say, America right now with Donald Trump, America's in a bathroom stall blowing a guy for coke. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we are. That's right where now. we are. Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. I didn't think I was going to come here and talk politics today. I'm sorry. I, but, I, I, I No, apologize. it's good. It's good. It's good stuff. So we've been going, uh, we're almost an hour and a half into this. What time do you have to roll? I got to pick up my daughter at one, so I'm fine whenever you okay, need to Okay, we got another 15 or 20 minutes. Um, you grew up in Pennsylvania. Like, how, Pittsburgh. Let's, let's get your basic biographical yeah. shit. So uh, how, Boring. I, boring. Uh, you know, the typical suburban life. Yeah. Uh, I grew up kind of But you grew like up this. in clean Pittsburgh. When I lived yeah. there, it was still yeah. industrial, yeah. river on fire Pittsburgh. Yeah, they cleaned it up, I think. Uh, you deer hunt? No, I, I can't kill an animal. Pennsylvania's big on the deer. I remember deer cr- day. You get deer day off school. My mom calls me crying. They did, there's somebody in the backyard. They just killed a deer. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many fucking deer in Pennsylvania. Speaking you can't drive deer, there. Speaking of, of fucking deer. Did you jokes, fuck a deer? No. A guy in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania fucked a deer. How'd he catch it? He found it dead on the side of the oh, road. Oh, no. Brought it home. The... The, I remember this because it was one of my he first, roadkill? first jokes ever was, you know, he was like, he was big news in Pittsburgh. And an indication of what was to come. Yeah. Huh? And it was just, it was such a horrible pun. It was Ugh. like the guy brought it home and uh, the neighbors called from the smell and they came to his house and they, they accused him of poaching. They were going to arrest him for poaching, killing a deer out of season. Yeah. And he's like, no, I didn't poach it. I found it dead on the side of the road. On, on, on the side of the road, I brought it home and fucked it. And I was like, ah, you didn't have to mention that. Like, you know, like, exactly. You could have just taken poaching. <laughs> yeah, you right. took bestiality. Yeah. You took, yeah. you decided. And uh, he, um, it, but I, all the dumb puns afterwards, I said, D- think the neighbors heard him just going oh dear oh, oh dear no, and yeah i had a no. whole bunch of and that was like my big all right i'm coming in with the deer bit now yeah. uh so. duncan does a thing i don't i don't know exactly how this is related uh and maybe i shouldn't i shouldn't use one of duncan's jokes on a podcast i think you can use it if you reference the comic for sure, for absolute sure, because it's like saying Carlin says this or Duncan yeah. says this. And he does and it I, in his stand up. And I think so. people, I think it's a good thing. I would love if people reference my jokes so Duncan, you know, like it sends more people go, that's funny. I want to see Duncan oh, Trussell. Oh, yeah. You got you to gotta go see Duncan Trussell. But he does this thing where he's like, uh, look, okay, stand your ground laws, right? Somebody, yeah. you, you find someone in your house, you can shoot them, you can kill them. Mm-hmm. How come you can't rape them? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what if you rape them, then you kill them? Is that still legal? <laughs> but I mean, it's such a great example of what we were talking about earlier, where it's funny because you're exposing the illogic of the situation, yeah. Yeah. you know? Like, yeah, it's definitely better to be raped than to be killed. Yeah, yeah. Well, that became a, that became a giant, giant, giant uh, fucking discussion on Rogan's show. Rogan had on this like ultra feminist comedian Jamie Kilstein, and uh, Rogan said it's better to be raped than killed. Um, I don't want to bastardize what happened and be wrong again, so don't hold me to I, people. What's well, the, all they can find it in the yeah. archives of but, Joe's but, show. But what happened basically from from what I understand is 
uh, Rogan was saying, you know, look, you, you can come back from rape. You can't come back from murder. And he was trying to say that it, it's, it's much worse. And Jamie kind of like, well, you know, argued with him a little bit, but then was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Jamie went back to his own podcast and he and his feminist girlfriend went to war with Rogan, just saying they're part of rape culture, they're rape apologists, blah, blah, blah. This is what happens when you're... And then it became this... And the Rogan fans went after this guy's name, Jamie Kilstein. They were making Twitter addresses, Jamie Rapenstein, <laughs> and like just attacking him. And huh. they ran him out of comedy. Like yeah. he quit comedy. And then he came back and he, he's always, he was this guy that was always, you know, pushing fingers in, but he was, he was like his girlfriend's puppet. Like she's like an ultra feminist. And it was like, you're such a pussy that, and I always felt like there are guys that do this, that they become like, I think there's real feminism. Like I believe in fucking equality and you know, like, but there are guys that it's their way of getting laid. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think he was that guy. Right. Like, ah, this is a, nobody's playing this angle. Right. It's a, there's a real small group of people in here. Yeah. I can probably get some good puss doing this. You know, like, like yeah. I'm going to play the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on your side. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So, so he was doing that and it just came out a few months ago that uh, he, he and his wife, who was his podcast, she fired him from the podcast. They're, broken up or whatever because he was like sexually harassing all the women that worked on the show oh man and it was it's just like it's those guys yeah. that get up on the yeah. pulpit and that's why i try to be an open book and go i'm an asshole right i do this i've said all these things yeah. i'm yeah. you know i i make tons of mistakes i don't know what i'm doing i that way i'm like please don't come after me for anything i say or yeah yeah I'm well just, you're not going to dig anything up yeah, you know, that's yeah, the thing. It's yeah. like you're going to dig out, yeah. dig around in my yard. You're not going to find any bodies. Yeah. I've already showed them all to you. <laughs> I had guys eating hot dogs watching <laughs> game on their knees. We had a jizz contest on our show where we all went to rooms with porn and saw who could jizz the quickest. The quickest. <laughs> the quickest. I mean, I've done some horrible, horrific things. My well, friend, there's the, nothing horrible about that. No, no, I agree. My friend that is the, uh, what, what was I the, don't find it horrible at all. I think the public would, and that's why my friend that worked on Trump's campaign goes, we need to run you for Congress. Yeah, goes, yeah. All this shit that you've tried to put on the internet that no one pays attention to will all come out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, yeah, we each took a, a laptop to a different room on the podcast, and we had a race. And we did it by uh, time and volume. Uh, <laughs> you had to bring out a bag. Zinc. Yeah. You know, you eat yeah. zinc supplements. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what porn, it's an old porn star trick. I've been hearing a lot about zinc lately with a lot of things. It makes you sleep deeper. Mm. Um, zinc and magnesium it, is yeah, a good mix ZMA. for sleep. Yeah. ZMA is the, yeah. uh, the product. But of, it, yeah, it definitely increases your, uh, your jizz volume. Yeah, it has, I think it, what happens, it makes your testosterone level raise while you're sleeping. Mm. I could, it could be, I was listening to Victor Conti talk about it. Mm. He's the Balco laboratory steroid guy. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, he's, he was the guy that drugged all the baseball players. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. right, yeah. He, I, I don't know if he made their drugs or tested them and showed them, kind of led them, the Roger Clemens kind of. Right, right. Yeah, you know I'm an award-winning porn star. I don't Are know you really? You've Dave been in told one? you that. No. Yeah, yeah. I won uh, the AVN award. Shut up! Did no. you really? I've got a trophy in my house. Fuck off! 
Yeah, it's serious too. It's heavy. It's fucking heavy. I've been to the AVNs. Oh, yeah, I didn't go. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to win. What I was, was up against the, what, Ron Jeremy. Who, who wins against Ron Jeremy? What did you? My category? Yeah. Best non-sex performance. Were you were you in a film? <laughs> yeah. What did you do? Yeah. I, I had a cameo as myself. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the woman in the film, uh, India Summers, the, uh-huh. the actress, she plays a documentary filmmaker who's in a relationship with uh, Ryan Driller. Uh, and they decide to open up their relationship and try to see other people and all that. And so... Uh, they go through jealousy and insecurity and all the stuff that people go through. And in order to like understand what she's going through, she decides to make a documentary about relationships. So it's a film within the film, right? So in that context... Sounds like a pretty intense porno. Yeah, it's got a serious plot line yeah, and, I mean. and a pretty big budget, you know, character development, beautifully shot. Uh, it's called Marriage 2.0. Uh, it was financed by Adam and Eve. Okay. You know? They used to be a sponsor of my show. Oh, yeah. And we lost them. Sex Andy Dick was saying that they... He's like, you'll lose them. I'm like, no, I won't. He goes, Adam and Eve gives you AIDS. Like, <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, we lost You them. can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Dick. Yeah, I had a thing with Andy Dick. You know, there's a movie going around or a story. It's called Andy Dick Stories, and it's about how everybody has an Andy Dick story. Oh, really? <laughs> You, you live in Topanga. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I don't know if you didn't want that out there. No, that's all right. I talk um, about it all the time. Um, and he lived up there for a while. Is that where your story is? No, no. I was on a, I was invited to um, uh, an open mic. Well, not an open mic. It was like a storytelling thing oh. for this podcast called Risk. Mm, it's, a, it's like the moth. It's oh, that okay. kind of thing, I you know? know the moth. And I had done an episode, and then they asked me to uh, to do a live thing in Hollywood at that uh, at that place where Dan Harmon records yeah, his yeah, thing yeah. in the back of the comic store. Yeah, Meltdown. Meltdown, yeah. So there was a thing there, and they asked me to, to go and tell the story. It was the story about uh, how I got stung by a scorpion in Guatemala when I was tripping, and the, I was told I was going to die, and it was this whole, like, really intense evening. And... Um, so I went to this thing, and you know I thought it was going to be five people telling these heavy stories about their lives, and instead it was like four comics and me. It was like an open night, open mic night, <laughs> and so I went on after Andy Dick, and it's like I can't go up here. Like if people have been laughing all night, and I'm going to tell a story about tripping and getting stung by a scorpion. It's not a big funny Did story. You do it? No, so so I'm on stage, and. Um, and I'm looking at this crowd and I'm like, I can't do this. So I just made an executive decision in the moment. Like, all right, I'll tell a story about the first time I ever had sex. Um, and uh, it was with a cat. And I saw everybody just go, oh, no. You know? And I said, don't worry. I'm not gay or anything. It was a female cat. And that, that didn't get a laugh yeah, either. Yeah. And then I, I was like, and she was asking. She wanted it. I mean, it was not right, you know. And then again, like, no, they're not. They're, nobody's laughing, right? And I told this story on Rogan's podcast. And, uh, yeah, anyway, so, I mean, I won't go through the whole story. People have heard the story. And, in fact, there's a really funny animation. This did guy the, heard me the tell the come? story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was eight. So it was yeah. the first time I'd made a female to yeah. have an orgasm. Yeah, that's good. That's, a, you, that's still pretty young. You're pretty talented. Yeah. 
So I told this story on Rogan's podcast with Duncan, right. uh, the three of us, and some uh, somebody who heard it was this animator, uh, Dave Anderson. He wrote to me and he's like, "Hey man, I want to I want to animate one of your <laughs> podcast stories." So I was like, "Yeah, go ahead." I didn't know that's the one he was going to do, but he did it, and now it's in a fucking film festival. I've got to see that. Oh, that's it's hilarious! Scary. It's called Nine and a Half Lives. <laughs> And uh, it's one of the best animations I've ever seen. Like he's got Rogan's tats and his, you know, beard, and, and he might have been the guy that did the <clears throat> the machine. Bert Kreischer has a really funny story about when he robbed his classmates in Russia because uh, these <laughs> Russian mafia guys made him do it. It's uh, one of one of the funniest stories I've ever heard in uh, my whole life. Just yeah. go look up Bert Kreischer the machine, and you'll listen to the whole story. You'll cry laughing. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, definitely. but um. Somebody animated it from when he told it on Rogan's show, and it's uh-huh. great. If it's the same guy, it could be the same guy. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's funny you fucked a cat. Uh, <clears throat> hey, it wasn't a deer. At least it wasn't dead. I told a story on Rogan's podcast that don't ever read the YouTube comments. When, oh God, they're, I mean, they're the when dumbest. I do Rogan's show, they say that I'm a cokehead. Never done coke in my life. They say that I'm a liar. <laughs> they all call me a liar, and I'm like, I have. I have links to back these up. Yeah. Like, like, just go Google it if you think I'm lying. It's funny that Joe be, is such a smart guy, and he's got such a... I mean, you've seen him do stand-up live. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, in L.A., it's fantastic. Yeah. He's, but, I, like, I, I saw him in Vancouver. Yeah. And half the crowd were, like, smart, well-read, you know, people yeah. who love Rogan because he's so fucking smart. And half the crowd were drunk Thugs. fucking idiots. Yeah. And they kept screaming. Yeah, it's he awful. had to keep throwing people out of the show. He's so good about that too. Joe, here's why I like Joe Rogan. He's a guy who just followed his own path and didn't listen to anyone. Yeah. Like I covered yeah. up that I work out a lot. I covered like I was like I need to present myself as a comedian yeah. and be funny all the. And then I was like, wait a minute, why am I? I just need to be who the fuck I am. Right. And it's hard enough to figure that out. Yeah. And what? Rogan just. He knows who he is so well, and he's yeah. not ashamed. And, yeah. he, and every little thing he does, he does to the best of oh, his ability. Yeah. I, I'm, the whole I'm hunting jealous thing of him. And, that, like, yeah. that, like, I get into hobbies. Like, I, I surf a lot, or I do that. But I'm not, I'm good at them. I'm not great. He's excellent at everything he does. Yeah. And he yeah. even told me that once, like, I think it was some swordsman, Musashi or something. I don't know. Some fi- he's like, yeah, he said, if you can be excellent at one thing, you can be excellent at all things because you you figure out how to be excellent. Huh. I was like, well, I haven't figured that out yet. So, <laughs> it's like so I'm average in everything. <laughs> exactly. But <clears throat> I told a story on his podcast that people didn't believe. And you can just, I've, I go down this wormhole all the time because I thought there was this guy from my high school who I don't even like to say his name. And I said it once and a friend of mine from high school was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. He's going to find you and murder you. Like, don't talk about him. Yeah. And the guy's a very interesting, uh, offbeat kind of ca- like. And the this joke is that only two guys from my high school have ever been on. Li- three guys have been on the cover of the uh, U.S. USA Today. One guy broke his ankle at a, our pep rally. Our quarterback when I was in high school, he broke his ankle at the <laughs> at, at the pep, pep rally. rally. <laughs> and it was like in a little blur. Was he drunk? Like, no, he was just running down the hallway like. Whoa. <laughs> and then the second one was. Uh, like the toughest kid from our school became a drug dealer and his wife shot an FBI agent in the face when they came to a raid. Um, and then the third was, I don't know if you remember when that 
farm in Washington got closed down for people going there to fuck horses. Oh. That was the guy I went to high school with in Pittsburgh. Really? That There's guy, a movie made about that. Yeah, that guy was... Zoo. Yeah, yeah well, he's, he's, he's probably the most open zoophile. Is that what they call it? Yeah. He's probably the most open zoophile on the internet. He's also... He owns a, uh, or he's part of a company. See, I'm terrified of him. I know he's in prison right now for something else, for like gun charges or something, because he's, he's been busted for cocaine, smuggling cocaine. Uh, he was an internet millionaire. He was a base jumper. He was, uh, you know, if you can be excellent at one thing. Yeah, hardcore uh, adrenaline junkie. This guy junkie, horses huh? more than, but uh, he, I watched a speech he gave at something, and he, he, he his company that he was working with is, uh, one of those VPN things where, like, you, you know, hide your mask, your yeah, IP so, address. Yeah. yeah. So, so he gave a talk at, at one of these tech things, and he talked about being in a partner, like his partner for the last eight years or whatever, is his horse, and that he has sex with his horse and blah blah blah. But he had this farm that, you know, they they shut down, and in the news stories, they all claimed they found like mice with like strings around them with their tails cut off for the Vaseline all and he talks about how much was real and how much was fun but he's a super super intelligent guy yeah and you have him do this discussion and he talks about how you know like how gays were persecuted right and how transgenders are that we're gonna you know he tries to say we're gonna look back on bestiality right. and be like i can't believe we persecuted this right and he because he's so intelligent he gives this discussion that you're like yeah all right you know we need to we need to listen to this guy and it's such a small niche of yeah. of of the world that uh but people are like oh eddie F's full of shit blah 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 i'm like you can read it but just google it there's Story after like what story don't they the believe that you knew the guy or like, the this guy existed? This guy's stories—he sounds like he's a liar. And I was like, oh fuck off! Yeah, you know? and, yeah, yeah. And I hate that I have to like just. I, I remember afterwards, I was like, Rogan, everybody's saying a lot. Here's the link. Yeah. But I mean, one of the things that I found liberating about sort of becoming a public figure, you know, in the last seven or eight years, which is what happened to me. Like, it wasn't like, I guess you've been doing this a long time. Yeah, and it, yeah. yeah. So for me, it all just happened when yeah. this book came out and suddenly, you know, and then I met Rogan and then I'm doing yeah. podcasts and then like, you know, it, it's all very recent and happened to me when I was already in my forties. Yeah. Right. So I can sort of look at it as an adult and, yeah. and it's been very interesting. Like I never really gave a shit about what people thought of me. Like I, yeah. you know, my life path has been very uh, unconventional mm -hmm. and all that. Um, but that has been turbocharged, you know, like I care about the audience of this podcast, mm -hmm. um, but, but because I'm honest with them. Right. And so yeah. if I fuck up, yeah. it's an honest fuck up. Yeah. So if somebody writes to me and they're like, dude, you know, they engage with me as a person. They're not, you know, but when I do Rogan or I look at the YouTube comments or something, it's just like, I honestly fucking don't care. It's yeah. so meaningless. Yeah. The whole social media thing is like, like I've said something on Twitter and people get all upset and I get stressed. And then it's like, wait a minute, I could just not look at Twitter yeah, yeah, for a month. Yeah, yeah. I got really upset in the beginning 
like really upset. Like I was like, and I would engage everybody. And I have this, like, I get set off, I'm sensitive. And I'd get set off immediately yeah. and I'd fire back. And then I'd go back and read it. And I'm like, oh, this guy was joking. Oh. And I, I just attacked <laughs> him and I'd have to go back and apologize. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and I find that about comedians that we are really sensitive. Like yeah. we can dish it out, but we can't take it. Really? And I have That's to really know that I'm in like a safe environment. Yeah. Like I have to really know the comedian's my good friend and then they can torture me. Right. They can torture me right. and make fun of yeah. everything that's wrong with me. But I have to like feel really safe with them. Yeah. And the second I think that they're not my friend or not, it's like, oh, are we, are we going to war? Right. And I don't know what it is about me, but I guess it's, you know, growing up kind of dorky and, and, and being picked on or, you know, like I always, I always tell people, you know, I, I was bullied and I bullied, you know, like I did both. I was on both ends of it. Yeah. You know, like the, the older kids and the bigger kids all did it to me. And then I did it to the younger kids. And um, this will piss a lot of people. Are we talking about pedophilia here? <laughs> no, I actually survived. And I was an altar boy. Oh. Never once. But I. It's sort of disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like, what was yeah, I not what that was cute? With <laughs> so I've, I've narrowed it down to two. Like I have a real aversion. Oh, I'm anti-religion completely, and I'm mm. very uh, the Catholic Church more than anything. I'm like, shut it down. Yeah, <laughs> we should be taking cranes with wrecking balls right. and just destroying the churches, just well, smothering them to the ground. Pay fucking taxes. Yeah, it's how is you, how are you not paying taxes? It baffles me that people criticize Scientology and make movies about it. Like, I don't give a fuck about Scientology. I, it doesn't phase me. I don't like them. I don't not like them. This, go ahead. But like the fact that people criticize, when Catholics are fucking kids yeah. and no one's doing anything about yeah. it. Like yeah. that's the, I, I mean, I, I've said it on stage. I've watched the audience just cringe when I'm like, bulldoze the, tomorrow. Get a bunch of bulldozers outside the churches and just not burn burn them down like they did Hitler's bunker. Mm. Like it's it's a crazy fucked up cultish establishment that I grew up in. Thirty. It took me thirty years to quit the church, mm. and I look back and all the weird shit I still carry from it, the baggage. And uh, but there were two times. Once uh, this priest used to take us to movies. And I like take like four altar boys and we'd go. I remember we saw Romancing the Stone once. That's all. And uh, and then afterwards he took us back to the rectory and sh I remember him showing me his bedroom. I remember that, uh, but nothing else. Like all of us, he was like, "Hey guys, and this, you know, he's giving us a tour and this is where I sleep." And I'm like, "Did, did we all get drugged and fucked?" Like, <laughs> like just don't remember. Yeah, like do I? Yeah. Is, is my butthole bigger than it should be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then. Uh, the other time, this, I, there was this priest that I used to serve mass and I was really scared of him. And he used to come after me in the church and put me in headlocks. And I used to run from him all the time. Like, I remember like run, after church when no one's in the, running around like in the pews, like trying to get away from this guy Jesus. and just being freaked out. And he was a Monsignor and just like being like, um, I would stay far enough away from him that he could never get me in his grasp because and at a young age, I knew something was creepy about this guy. And I told my mom about this years later. I'm like, how the fuck did you leave me with those guys? And she goes, 
oh, I went every time you served mass, I was there to watch them. I'm like, what? <laughs> you, you know that this culture exists yeah. and you're throwing your children into it? Yeah. Uh, that always baffled me, but they, you know, it's such a backwards, you know, you know Pittsburgh, it's yeah, that yeah. Irish Catholic. So strange, you know, <laughs> talking about the horse thing, uh, Dan Savage told me the story about how, you know, he has this hotline where people call and leave messages and then for the podcast, and then he'll call them back to follow up. Right. And a guy left a message saying, um, yeah, I have sex with a horse and I don't see why it's a problem. You know, the horse is fine. I'm fine. Everybody's happy. You know, what's the big yeah. deal? And so Dan called him back and he said, listen, I just want to clarify, are you fucking the horse or is <laughs> yeah. the horse fucking you? And there's this long silence. <laughs> and the guy said, I'm not gay. <laughs> well, this guy in his argument was saying that people say that it's not consensual and that's the problem with it. Yeah. And he was saying that when the, I don't know if it's the mayor, the filly, whatever the female is, uh, when she doesn't want to have sex with the male, she stomps her feet on the ground telling him no. Mm. And, and he was like, so we know you know, that they don't want to when they're stuck. <laughs> Can you imagine the horse seeing him walking down the hill? No. <laughs> oh, God, here comes that guy that's going to fuck me With again. a tiny dick. I mean, yeah. does she even feel it? Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. Um, yeah. Well, I there's... Know. I used to... I, there was that clip on the internet called Two Guys, One Horse, and I think it was part of that documentary oh. where the guy dies yeah. from getting fucked by a horse yeah. and it, like, ruptured his intestines yeah. or whatever, his colon or I don't know how... But uh, it's just like, what the, what the fuck is wrong? I, like, like, I can understand more your attraction to your horse than your concept of that this would feel good. Yeah. Because it's, 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 uh, it, it's like masochistic. Like you're, you're going to injure yourself. It's like uh, we used to, that on my podcast, we would watch every horrible video that you could watch. There was back that time when you would put horrible stuff on and then they would make videos of you watching them mm, to see like kind of a tosh point oh thing. yeah 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 and there was the one of the guy that sits down on a jar oh and the jar no, breaks oh no know? yeah and, i don't i don't get that and like i don't get i don't like horror movies either i don't, I don't like getting I don't, scared or i don't either out. but i somehow found an interview with the guy who did that because it became a famous video it was called uh, like one guy one jar uh, and i found an interview with him where some like German, <laughs> you know, like German S and M publication oh, nice. did an interview with yeah. him, and they did it so matter of factly, like yeah. this is totally normal. Well, in Germany, it's legal to fuck animals. There, there are like animal brothels. Oh God. Yeah. Well, this guy in the interview talks about it, and the way they, like, they have a discussion. It'd be like I'd say, so you know, about your podcasting and book fame they're like so how about your you know how have you been handling your internet fame since, yeah. <laughs> since, since you jumped, broke a jar in your ass <laughs> i read the interview just read it on stage uh -huh. Uh -huh. at a comedy show in australia i got as many and as big a laughs as if i did my act really it was like everything was a punchline of this guy going well i started with things like cucumbers <laughs> And he goes, then I wanted something that was a little more perilous. <laughs> like, like oh, I wanted something that could break, but wouldn't break. 
And so I started with plastic jars and it's this whole crazy interview and it's like, yeah, I, I guess to each his own. I guess, I guess. Uh, we've been going for a long time. I, Hey, it's been thanks, fun. man. That's yeah, this podcasting. has been great. Fun so, do, is your podcast happening, or it's on? We're doing our final episode. If anyone wants to come live, I don't know when this is airing, uh, but we're doing our final one on. And you're welcome to come. It's pretty crazy uh -huh. at the Hollywood Improv, June thirteenth. It's a Tuesday night at eight p.m. June thirteenth, and we're yeah. ending talking shit, uh -huh. and we're ushering in the Bingle Show, which is, I've. I stopped doing talking shit, which was that show where we just, it's complete debauchery. Right. And I'm taking this bus and we're going on tour around, uh, like I could have driven to your house and yeah, and I might, you know, and you might be my guest and we'd sit in your driveway. So yeah. That, you know, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I think Joe said something about that. About Yeah. The, yeah. I bought this sprinter van. Yeah. And oh, I spent well, you got the, the nice version. I went with the shitty school bus yeah yeah well i spent the last two months uh working on it yeah. i put a bed in it and a little kitchen yeah, yeah, and yeah. redwood paneling and oh, all awesome. that and this summer I'm, I'm going national gonna hang out in people's driveways maybe and... we'll crisscross yeah definitely uh -oh. are you gonna check out the eclipse well, somebody was talking about that somebody yeah. just sent august me that 21st yeah. there's an eclipse so i think what we're doing i'm not positive i gotta talk to my agent i'm gonna be doing shows all along the way right and what we'll do is a tailgate party at the bus before right. the show. Right. I do my live stand-up, and then afterwards we do a show in the bus. We have, we have TVs on the outside of the bus in the windows and speakers that people can sit outside the bus and watch the show. Oh, cool. And, That's a good uh, idea. So we'll do the live podcast afterwards. And uh, I've been working on it for about two years. Mm. We, I did a Kickstarter, and my fans gave me $60,000. Nice. And then I put about another 20, 25 in myself. And, Into the bus. Yeah, so right. inside the bus is a whole studio. Right. And uh, it's not as livable. It, in retrospect, I should have bought a Sprinter. Because uh, like the engine blew out. We've uh, had all kinds of technical right. issues. And... and you know. I'll put you in touch with my mechanic if yeah. you want. Really cool guy. He nice. he helped me do this whole sprinter thing. Yeah, I didn't know where to go. It was we made a pilot. Uh, they made a pilot of the the show, like, uh -huh. and uh, you know it's being chopped around to the networks right now. Oh, cool! And, but I've always I've always thought it's not a network show. It's an internet show. So yeah. But the producers that put all the money in want to be on TV. Right. I want to be on the internet. Right. Because we can have hot dog eating competitions right. watching gay porn. Right. Uh, well, maybe Netflix or something, Amazon, yeah, yeah. Hulu. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd love to, because to, I, I think there's just so many aspects to it. We're going to do live streaming. We're going to do a YouTube show. Uh, but the podcast is the mainstay of it. That's cool. where it started. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll just I'll I'll release this Monday. Oh, nice. Uh, so yeah. make sure I'll just yeah. bump everybody else. Yeah, oh, I appreciate <laughs> that. that. Yeah, so come out and see it June thirteenth. It'll be June thirteenth uh, at where again? Eight p.m. Hollywood Improv. Hollywood Improv. So the bus will be outside. That show. What, what's going to happen though? The talking shit show will go on, which is a little bit like a roast. We're going to have. I've had. It's my 499th episode. It's oh, the nice. last one. And people are like, why aren't you doing 500? I'm like, why would we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a lot of the guests, I've had like 300 guests, are yeah. going to come up and kind of roast the show and roast us. And, oh, nice. And then after the show, we're going to go outside. We have a band. We're going to start the bingle show. And that's going to be nice the start transition. of it. And when we're going to take it across the country to the Montreal Comedy Festival. Right. Yeah. And when do you leave? 
I don't know. My agent keeps telling me, oh, I'm booking dates left and right. I'm like, where are they? Uh, and I'm like, well, can you at least give me an idea? I think, I think we're doing a northern route, which I didn't really want to. I kind of wanted to go south, but we're going, uh, he, I, I heard dates like Minneapolis and uh, Wisconsin and stuff. So uh, You taking your 13-year-old girlfriend with you? Only in some states. Oh, okay. Some states she's going to drive in her own car. <laughs> That's right. Mm. All right. Thanks for doing this, man. Oh, it's been great. Hey, do, what's your website? Uh, eddieift.com. It's I-F-F-T. E-D-D-I-E-I-F-F-T. Eddieift.com. And pretty much everything's there. And I'm Eddieift on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything like that. All right. Cool. Thanks. You still here? I guess you enjoyed that conversation. Well, so did I. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast and are financially able, go to patreon.com and search for Tangentially Speaking. You enter your credit card, tell them you want to give me a buck, five bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 200 bucks, and then they'll just automatically ding your credit card and you don't have to think about it again. Uh, if you don't have uh, the money to do that, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Tell your friends about the podcast, write a review on iTunes, or just enjoy the podcast. It doesn't matter. I want to thank Basin and Range for that intro music. The song's called Bright Side of the Sun. And you can check them out at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast, you can go to Reddit, where there are a few thousand people chatting about the podcast. Uh, I drop in and answer questions, post photos, uh, whatever. Pretty cool community there. Another forum where you can meet fellow listeners to this podcast is at t eight. No, sorry, tspeaking.boardhost.com. This has been set up by a listener to enable people to um, register and uh, their different states and countries so you can find people who live near you, get together, have a beer, smoke a bowl, eat some mushrooms, dance under the moonlight, however you celebrate these things. You'll find uh, like-minded spirits on that. It's Again, it's tspeaking.boardhost.com. Dot com. And uh, if you want to get some T-shirts, we have the Civilized to Death shirts, Sex at Dawn shirts, Tangentially Speaking shirts. They're all in my mom's garage. She will get them out to you in a jiffy. Julie, my mom, is one of the most efficient people you will ever meet. So you can find those on my website. That Chris Ryan, ChrisRyanPhD.com, TangentiallySpeaking.com, whatever. You'll find them. Just look in the store there. If you want to buy some other T-shirts from the same manufacturer, that's Shore Design T shirts they are fantastic i know i say this is an ad free podcast uh and this could be construed as an ad but sure design t-shirts have been supporting this podcast since its inception bennett who was the dude there decided he was going to support the podcast he sent me a bunch of shirts uh at an extreme discount to uh, help us out and we've been working with them ever since since bennett died the people who took over sure design t-shirts.com uh have decided to continue giving us the same deal that Bennett gave us. So that's pretty cool. And as a way to thank them, make sure you use the discount code Chris when you order anything from them so that they know that they're getting some business coming from this podcast. That's SureDesignTshirts.com. They've got all sorts of stuff, yoga pants and jewelry and beautiful stuff, all made from this really nice soft cotton. The discount code is Chris. Use the discount code Chris, C-H-R-I-S, and you'll get 10% off. Thank you to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear. You can check her out 
out at carcyblanton.com. She performed this little ditty, especially for us. Sounds like she was sitting in her garage. You can hear the birds chirping. The song is called Smoke Alarm, and it's a reminder to live now because you're going to die one day. This is for you guys, Bennett and Justin. Miss you. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're going to say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. I don't want to give the end away, but we're going to die one day. Your body is an animal, doesn't ask for much. A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Running from a confrontation say when everyone we've ever known is headed for a headstone i don't want to give the end away we're gonna die one day we're gonna die one day we're gonna die one day so baby what's a big deal if you want to be what you want to feel Spend the night with me I'm gonna take you up in my arms And if we must go down We'll go singing to the smoke alarms We'll dance into the ground